in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited you're joining me today. Today's episode is all about managing energy, not time, living stoked, flexing, not twisting. My guest today, Sarah Bettman. Sarah Bettman is the founder of Live Stoked, a coaching experience for women. She brings together her own story of recovering from burnout and 20 years of experience coaching women from around the world to create meaningful and lasting change in her clients. Most recently, she led the development of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Strategy for Constellation Brands, a Fortune 500 producer and marketer of beer, wine, and spirits. Sarah is known as a trusted advisor and coach on the topics of leadership development, advancing women, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sarah's style is deeply rooted in her values of integrity and authenticity. She brings forward her experiences with passion and humor that ignites engagement, creating traction where there wasn't any before. She's committed to people being better for having known me. Sarah holds a BS in business administration from the University of Colorado and an MBA in strategic leadership from Dominican University of California. She's a certified co-active coach and certified organization and relationship systems coach. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, that sounds so I know, formal you are fancy. something special. Yeah, something you sure special, are. You are amazing and other things <laughs> well beyond what I read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, bios are always tricky for me, but you, you sounded lovely <laughs> reading it and coming from you, it, it was quite lovely. <laughs> so let's talk about living stoked and how that became your motto. Like what there's has to be a story behind this. Yeah. Well, you know, the living stoked part, uh, took a while. Um, the storyline from it started many years ago when I basically woke up in the wrong life. I had a back injury. I had been a firefighter, paramedic, mountain rescue, all sorts of things for 10 years. And I remember there was a moment I was on disability with a back injury and growing, going to the grocery store was the only thing I could do. 
And I remember sitting at a stoplight or stop sign and the, the windshield wipers were going and just seeing the water on the windshield and thinking, is this all there is to life? And what I didn't realize what was started there was a moment of looking at different spaces of my life that ended up causing me to end up retiring from being a paramedic at the time, leave my then husband, my practice husband, sell my house to him, move out of my community, lose my community of friends and start a journey of healing because I was burnout body, mind and spirit. And I actually thought burnout was a thing to sell supplements, but I learned very quickly it was a very real thing. And as I started choosing, and then we'll talk probably more about this, kind of my life and, and the series that helped me learn that I can have an identity and I can have the life that's on my terms versus waking up in the wrong life, that fundamentally it's about living stoked, living on my terms and, and knowing that if I make decisions good or bad, it's on me. And there's something really powerful about that. Yeah. I love what you talked about where you had to like, it was like you were peeling back the layers of your, this identity that you took on, whether that was you or other people, but it was almost like you had to shed all those layers, you know, and see what's left and then rebuild a new identity from there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know I could have an identity, which seems strange I, I'm a white woman, and uh, though I was a woman in a male-dominated field, as I've evolved in my understanding around, you know, privilege and power and all this, I generally would have said I had a great life. I had a lot of privilege and opportunities, but I basically had to do that, unwind it, and and I'd like to say it took two years and I healed, but no, I had other growth spurt, spurts in store for me as I continue to grow, but the evolutions just kept getting wow. better and better. So like what, what, I guess it has to be a feeling like something is off. Cause you said, I can imagine you sitting there with those wipers going. And in that moment, it's almost like time is slowing down and you're seeing yourself differently. So was that what that moment was like at first realizing that something was missing? Um, no, that wasn't it. That was an, I, I think that was a, a moment that I'm telling you 20 years ago that I remember, right? How many moments driving from the grocery store do we not remember? But something about kind of the finality and weight of that moment mm. was like, I can't do this really is what that was saying. At the time I was working with a coach. It's how I learned to become a coach because it was vocational training. And I was working with a coach and I would spend my days, you know, watching Oprah or Yanla uh, Van Zandt and, and her coaching program was on TV at the time. And essentially was depressed. I didn't understand what being depressed was, but I know retrospectively and having talked to therapists, that's what it was. And there was a one coaching day where I remember we were ending and my coach, I was just crying and I was like, can any of this be good? And she said, it can only be good. You were born perfect and then hung up on me <laughs> like a good coach does, right? At, at that zero hour. She she was a brilliant coach for that time in my life. And what happens, I crawled into bed, which was not unusual for that time in the middle of the day mm -hmm. and just exhausted, exhausted at life, exhausted at everything. And all of a sudden I had this vision of a little girl running through a field. And I'm like, son of a bitch, that's who I am. And, and it evoked a feeling in me that became enough of a touchstone that it was like a thread that I could start pulling and following. Like something about that I was born perfect felt true. And it created this vision of this carefree little girl running through a field that made sense. And it was just enough to start a journey of healing and start unraveling 
<laughs> we're mixing metaphors here, peeling onions, unraveling, whatever it is, um, that led to a, a step-by-step process mm. of healing. So what was the next step for you? Like, where did you turn for help? What did you do? Well, you know, it's kind of tricky because, and I know you and I have talked about this in the past, you start chasing mm-hmm. practitioners, right? And and you want to get answers and solutions. And so I share this retrospectively because I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, my journey is going to be the journey that works for a listener. It's the discernment that's really important. So um, I worked with a personal trainer that helped me feel in my body. 10 years as a bear paramedic, I just muscled it. I got through. So that was a powerful moment. And she was a perfect partner for that moment in time. This coach I talked to, perfect moment to help me shepherd and create awareness. I also had a chiropractor. Um, I hadn't worked with a chiropractor. And somehow through a number of reasons, I found her before this. And she said, Sarah, you are the best caregiver for yourself when you're in control. And she was smart enough to put in my medical record, you can do activity to tolerance. And something about that taught me to challenge what the workers' comp doctors were doing, which is no activity. And at the time, I'd been doing half Ironman triathlons. I would ride my bike 70 to 100 miles. So I would go on a bike ride for 10 miles, and they would take Subrosa video of me because they Mm. wanted to use it against my workers' comp claim. But I was able to say, you know, I'm riding 10 miles. I normally rode this much. And I'll never forget, because I was told I would never run again. I would probably not ride a bike. I couldn't backpack. I couldn't ski. Like the long list of things that as I retired on disability that I couldn't do. And I remember going on a ski vacation. And I used to do ski patrol. So I was a good skier. I thought, I'll just ski the blues and greens. I won't hurt my back. It'll be fine. And I moved my hips the way skiing does. I love skiing. It, it just kind of just was great. I didn't do anything crazy, but I slept better that night than I had in two years. And so there was these series of moments and gifts of people who gave me the right thing at the right time that additively put it together. And what I want to differentiate between is it felt true and right. And I had to learn what that felt like versus in my head where you hear a practitioner and you want it and it's a bit angsty. I want that. I want that. And then you're chasing something. And I certainly part of my journey was letting go. And and I know you talk about this a lot of this idea of being the victim and, and having ownership of being able to take care of myself. Now that's using different version practitioners and different things from cleaning up my food and, and looking how I exercise. But those practitioners were the ones like, what you're saying is true for what I need right now. And that right now piece is really key because that first coach I worked with, I, w- I would never work with her again because what I need now is something totally different. I still seek chiropractic care, but I'm very specific about the kind of chiropractic care I, that works for me. And so I want to make sure as I share this journey, it was more about me learning about myself and what resonated with me and what was helpful versus any one practice or any one practitioner. Yeah, I think that's so important because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are interested in, you know, either a coaching program or some program and they're like, "Um, how are you going to help me? No, you're going to help you. Like, this is just part of the toolkit. You know, exactly. I don't do anything. I can't heal you. You you have to be willing to try this and see if this is the avenue that works towards your healing. Yeah. So there has to be a willingness to kind of step outside that comfort zone and just just see what happens, you know? 
see what happens. And and no judgment. Hold it loosely. I mean, I had other growth spurts later. This isn't about evolving and being fixed or, or known. It's about being on a journey and trusting the process so that if another bump in the road or another thing comes, it's like, I, I know how to navigate through this and I will make the right choices. And to me, and that's what Livestoke is about, it's about experience and process. What you do with it is up to you. But the thing is, it's not about fixing this one moment. It's teaching you how to fix every moment going forward for you. And it's different for every one of my clients. And that's why some of the group coaching I'm doing now is so powerful because they're learning a small group of six from each other. And actually that group's way smarter than I am. I'm just facilitating the conversation. And that that's where it gets really fascinating. Yes, yeah, cool. so I guess it takes a lot, a big mindset shift too, because we're, we're into events, you know, goals, outcomes. Nobody ever stops to just go through the process. When I mean, you're talking about being in physical pain, emotional pain, you know, it, it's not something that can be fixed overnight. And you have to just have to be willing to go through the process and embrace mm-hmm. the journey no matter where it goes. Um, and I love what you said about like, once you get over that challenge, now you know how to face other challenges. And I, I think that that's so true, even for me, yeah. you know, when I, with the chronic pain, once I figured out what worked for that, I'm like, if I could do this, I got this, like I can handle whatever comes my way. And that's very empowering, you know, to feel like, you know. Absolutely. I just did. My uh, husband and I just turned 50 and we're fighting it all the way. Next time we're not fighting it. We just want to do it awesomely. And we just did a hike that was literally hiking uphill for 30 miles. And one of the things they talk about in this is, you know, there's a word pain cave, digging deep, leave it all on the mountain. And what I find is I never got to that one experience of leaving it all on the mountain and wondering if I could do it. And I, I wondered if because I knew that each moment that was hard, I could get through it. So it kept me from that kind of destitute feeling of, can I make this? Can I do this? And I think that was an important lesson for me to learn. So in, you know, I'm talking about 20 years ago, but even just three weeks ago, I had an experience that says the capacity of what I can do when I take care of my body, when I eat well, when I, when I manage a strategy keeps me from going to those deepest, dark depths. And, and it's not that I'm not going to have them later, but my understanding for my capacity to get through it and to choose to be able to say, no, I'm not going to stay in this at risk of hurting myself or injury, which I do. That actually is a bit of my story is overdoing it and not listening to my body cues was a really, really powerful lesson. And I think again, that capacity to get through it and navigate it. Now, this was of my own choosing, so that was one thing. But whether you're talking pain, it can feel like it's forever. It feels like this is my life forever. When in fact, you may still have the pain because I know there's plenty who navigate chronic pain. So there's not a, woohoo, you'll get better in life is great. But we learn how to navigate it differently. And that confidence to either take through the flare-ups or whatever just keeps us going. I'm doing my hand riding the wave, which I realize your listeners can't see. But it's not a mindset shift to positivity and I'm awesome and and I can fix this because I'm great and all this. It's like I've got the capacity to navigate this and I'm much stronger than I think I can. And just knowing that is everything. Yeah, and kind of taking it like one moment at a time, you know? 
One moment at a time. Yeah, my mantra actually on the last lap is once every step forward gets me mm. closer to the end. Every step forward. And that that's always, you know, one foot in front of the other. And even it, with starting this business and, and live stoked, just do the next right action, you know, one step in front of the other and keep it simple. It's so wow. fun. So tell me more about the coaching experience. Like how many clients are you working with right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I work two sides of the coin. And I explain this in that, you know, I only have five clients at a time because I believe in my clients. And I, I once did coaching where I had, you know, hundreds of clients and would coach 32 hours a week. And I realized that doesn't, it's not good for me or my clients. So I take five one-on-one clients. I do groups twice a year, but I also do corporate work. And so I split my business in kind of two sides of the coin as I work with individuals. They are also in corporations that are wanting the corporations to manage cultures that help support them live their life and, and their whole life. So yeah, I only take five at a time and I have small groups and then I have a community called Live Stoked that actually is just forming, hasn't even opened yet. We'll open it in November for anyone who is interested, because I do believe in that power of learning from your peers and learning from others. I, I don't claim to be an expert at anything other than creating experience to help people learn and grow. The ideas and concepts are much richer when it's coming from a number of people, because who knows, I might say something that doesn't resonate, but someone who reacts to what I said they say something is the thing that resonates for you. So that, that's how Live Stoked is formed. We'll do monthly programs, bring uh, both led by myself, but thought leaders such as yourself um, and others on kind of how do you live stoked? Um, one of the things I will say about Live Stoked, it's about that hunch, something needs to change. And we look at that capacity. So that's that manage energy, not time. Because if you're burnout, your capacity to change is baby steps. Whereas if you've filled your tank and you feel great, your capacity changes, the steps mm. you can take can be much greater and more impactful. So we work on that. We also look in the places we don't always look. So I, drawing from my paramedic days and you having your own medical journey, you know, shoulder pain could indicate a heart attack, it could indicate spleen injury, could indicate a rotator cuff, right? So, you know, someone with a shoulder pain goes to a doctor and they treat it, you know, whatever their perspective is, and they haven't looked deeper. So one of the things that we do in Livestoke is we look at the five areas that most people don't look. We look at money, we look at career, we look at key relationships, we look at community, and we look at well-being. Because sometimes we have shame in those areas, and we want to look at the shoulder because we don't actually want to look at the heart. We want to look at career when, in fact, we, we need to manage things in our key relationship. Or if we want to make changes in our key relationship, we need to look at money because that's going to enable and help us. Or having just recently moved, I was in a community that didn't fill my tank and it impacted my well-being. And so we have to look at all those so that as you look at the thing you want to change in order to live stoked, you're, lo- you're treating the right thing. And so that is part of the process that we work with. And then finally, it's a repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, because once you get to one place, all of a sudden your idea of what it means to live stoked grows and your capacity. So, you know, well-being wise, if you manage chronic pain and you, you, you can manage where it's manageable, all of a sudden what's possible for you and available is a little bit bigger. So you've got to do the work again to relook at your practitioners, look at the mental 
you know, voices in our head that we, that might not help us take the next level, some of that upper limit theory that I know you and I have talked about in the past. So it's a fun journey. I get a lot out of it. And again, I take zero responsibility for the incredible things that people do. If I I do anything, I bring people together and say a few things that might impact them to make changes. and, And we have a lot of fun along the way. That's wonderful. Tell me about your work with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. So it's not much different than Lev Stoked mm-hmm. applied to a corporation. So corporations okay. exist for a reason. So what's the culture? What's the why bother? So for diversity, equity, inclusion, and this might be counter what some others say, but you have to have a clear why bother. Why bother doing this work? Because I think we see a lot of organizations jumping into, we want to celebrate women Yay, we want to celebrate Black people. and But they don't actually know what it means. And they're not talking to their own employees to understand what the issues are. And so for me and, and uh, that consulting side in corporate is, what's your culture? Why bother doing this? Do you need to create the structural components like mission and v- values defined to the behaviors to drive that culture? And then can you stand behind any action you're going to take? before you take any action. And ideally what we do, not ideally, this is what we do, but ideally all organizations create a relationship with their employees and leadership so they can come together when things are hard. So with some of the organizations, as things have happened in the community right now with things going on in Israel, like creating opportunities for those who are Jewish in the organization, Palestinian, to share stories, to help navigate, how do we take care of you in the organization? And it may not be a statement. It may not be anything. It may just simply be, we got you. If you need to take some time off, if we need some help, we got you. And so it's important for me that companies are acting with integrity, that they do things that their employees need instead of jumping out ahead and doing these grand gestures or programs that a lot of people just recognize that that's not sustainable. And frankly, it's not actually in service of the people you're trying to serve. Wow. And by the way, stoked employees are engaged employees. So I uh, I haven't created the business lead stoked, but it's kind of the oh, kind of I love that. Sto- I love that. <laughs> because you have employees that want to live stoked in your organization. So lead stoked employees by understanding their identity and their full life and all the things that, that they bring to work and contribute. And then you have a stoked culture and you're having a lot of fun. So how it gets implemented looks a little bit different, but the fundamental is true. Like when we feel we have agency, when we feel heard and that we can actually change our life, even when it's hard, people are stoked. <laughs> I'm from California, by the way. So I have a, I have a company, a client that's in the deep South. I keep saying I'm bringing stoke to the deep South. And, and my contact there's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. So like looking at your whole journey, I mean, paramedic firefighter and now all the way now to, you know, business owner and coach, like what are some the key lessons that you learned that you think would be valuable for others seeking transformation? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones, and it took a, a while, so I would say maybe five to six, maybe in seven years past when I was telling you about kind of unraveling my life is I had an identity and value around being Phoenix from the flame, rising up from hardship. And after our key relationship ended, this was at a time when it was starting to become apparent I wouldn't have children, which I never thought I would. 
I realized I was perpetuating, and this was actually almost filing bankruptcy a few years before because of poor financial choices. I realized I was manifesting drama and challenges and things to overcome because my identity was so based on rising up from the emergency. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I am done. I have worked hard. It's tied to reap what I have sowed and no more drama. And so that was a real key moment because as long as my identity and my value or worth or whatever I want to call it was dependent on rising up, I had to have things to rise up from. And so... Um, that was probably the number one. Wow. Um, thank you. Yeah, it was really powerful for me. I stopped talking and I actually lost friends because we'd connect on the drama of relationships mm-hmm. or money or whatever. I just stopped talking about some of this stuff because I remember I was perpetuating the story versus I have the capacity. So that bankruptcy story, I went from tens of thousands in debt and living actually in the same place I'm living right now but feeling awful and horrible to paying off my debt in three years and and now positive net worth and feel I have agency and control how to make my money. I went from a relationship that was on paper looked great, but I had forgotten the fundamentals of stoked to be with me and willing to show it. I mean, Mm. and these are, this is my forties. And then I met my husband who was stoked to be with me when he first met me and was willing to show it. And even if we lived in different states, we came together and found the language of, you know, he's got a lot of things on the, you know, damn list that we talk about, but he's an incredible person. We're stoked to be with each other and we can help each other individually accomplish the things we want in life. And and we're doing this stoke life together. So right now he's on a startup and I'm supporting that. And I can't imagine him doing anything else. And it feels amazing. And it starts to build each o- on each other and momentum. So it, it, it's been iterative, but those were some of the big lessons. The other thing that I think the lesson is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Like you sign up for something big. So when I took the job with that Fortune 500, I spent the first two years like, who the hell am I to even do this thing? And no one told me to stop. And I was able to test some of the principles that I use today and I didn't, I I built it, whatever. I actually instigated because the employees built the inclusion program. And now it's been being led by a great executive who's put some order and structure. And I I started the fires and and then they, they made it go. And when you live your stoked life, when you live life on your terms, it's scary and sometimes hard, but the only one you have to blame is yourself. And when you say, well, I can stop. And that voice says, no, you can't. You'll feel like an asshole for the rest of your life if you stop. Then you just keep going. And then you just outperform your expectations of yourself over and over and over again. I feel now at 50, in some ways, I feel like I'm a little bit of a late bloomer to some of this stuff. It's pretty cool. And I'm seeing things I dreamed about coming together for me in a way that it's just pretty cool. And I've seen it for my clients too. Um, some much younger who learn these lessons much yo- younger, um, some much later. But it's it's really cool to to see people achieving their dreams, and it doesn't look it doesn't have fireworks. No one has a band playing. It, it is <laughs> subtle. And then looking back and go, oh, son of a bitch, look what we did. And actually, I should say that's a really important part of coaching, and I know it's an important part of the work you do. Is that reminder to look back where you were when. 
because you will find you have iterated and you have grown. And yes, you may still have pain or yes, you may be feeling something, but it's different because you've grown from it. That's beautiful. Yes, Sarah. So tell the listeners how they can find you, learn more about your programs, see what you're doing. Yep. So the the first way is just go to sarahbetman.com. And from there, if you're in an organization and want to bring work to your organization, you will get sent to that website. Uh, if you want to learn more about Live Stoked, you'll move to that website. You can also contact me if you're interested in coaching. I, I do have a couple spots open now for individual coaching, and then I will be doing a group coaching in the fall. So uh, if you're interested in any of that, just send me a note in the email or um, sign up for the newsletter on livestoke.com and you'll be able to get notifications about that as it comes. I need to sign up for the newsletter. I'm excited. <laughs> yes, you do, I my friend, because you were next. a huge part of the inspiration for me to do it. So uh, listeners, you might not know how important this woman is to me, <laughs> and I'm just so honored to be here, but uh, she's a woman who lives her values and does amazing things, and it's been a journey. Wonderful. We've been through some journeys together and an honor to be your friend. So I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, Even though you read my formal bio, that's the informal bio of us. <laughs> yes, my friend, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, please write us a review and share the episode with a friend. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then. Mm-hmm.